This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today we'll be interviewing Gordon Wong. Gordon is an architect in the Bay Area and has done multiple projects from small home additions to large commercial buildings in Shanghai. He'll talk about how the architectural process works and how long it takes for plans to get approved in the city. And before this episode, I had no idea how any of this worked, and it was only after doing this interview that I had a small glimpse of what's actually going on. So these are things that you don't hear or learn from courses or books. So I'm really happy to have done this interview and share this information with you. Enjoy. Go ahead and introduce yourself and like, how did you even get into the world of real estate? Uh, my name is Gordon Wong. I'm an architect in the Bay Area. When I was in uh, college and architecture school at Cal Poly Tech, St. Louis, uh, I did my first house flip when I was 20. And uh, the housing market was, was uh, just starting. Um, this was like 2000, uh, let's see, 2002. And buying a house is pretty easy. It was like 175000 you get a, a small house, which was, uh, uh, by today's standard, impossible. And so uh, uh, we got the house. Um, I uh, worked with my college buddies, and we renovated the kitchen interiors, a new driveway, um, retaining walls in the back. And uh, after we flipped it, um, sold it for about four hundred twenty. dollars uh, So we more than doubled the value. Um, and then from there, we started working on more houses. Um, but I wasn't the owner of the other ones, but still it made great money. Um, and then uh, later on, when I finished my college and uh, finished my architectural license, um, I got back into real estate, um, mainly because the housing market had grown again. And so I went and got my real estate license because uh, um, I realized how important it was to understand what I what am I selling? What what makes uh, what? What is um, the difference between an apartment, a condo, a house? Um, how do people perceive it when they when they put it on the market? Um, if I just design a nice house, I may not sell, which is a, a big deal in California. So um, that's when I really need to get back into real estate and study hard and understand demographically what am I getting involved with. For me, my typical clients fluctuate um, when the economy is in a downturn. Uh, we have more restoration, fire damage, insurance jobs. And sometimes uh, there are a handful of uh, uh, private investors. Um, when the economy gets really strong, um, everything changes. The really large projects come in. So there'll be usually um, some incorporated um, investment group. Um, also, I get the uh, really interesting people who are just starting to get into it. Um, so I get a house flipper, um, a young group of guys. Um, I met uh, uh, you, Sean, um, and your other buddy, uh, Sean Callaghan, um, young house flippers, um, getting into the business. And that's very exciting because I remember what that was like when I went through it. Um, and the way I go about finding my clients is really word of mouth. Um, for me, I first started with uh, my my family's connections. And I, I didn't realize this, but a lot of my family members were involved with real estate, whether they were a real uh, realtor sales agent or a uh, a broker. So and once I met one, it was very easy to meet others. So I realized that the uh, real estate 
is a very powerful networking group. Um, they have a lot of different meetings, associations, and they work with each other to make um, good house sales, uh, good house purchases, and the network is really crucial. So um, getting involved that way really um, helped me out in terms of getting to know people. You were saying that you also work with big corporations, especially during the the boom, you know, when things are going really well. Yeah. So talk about like a project that you've done, like how long does it take and what is the process? So um, there are different types of projects. For example, um, if, if I get involved with a commercial project, um, usually very commonly it's called a, a tenant improvement because it's an existing building. Um, those projects will take about one to two years. So once I get involved and I have a signed contract, um, I'll start deciphering the whole thing, work with my team to get a good set of drawings and make sure that the owner gets what they want. In about one one year, they'll get a permit, uh, start construction, and it'll probably take another year to build. Um, some examples are uh, movie theaters, bars, uh, restaurants, um, office improvements, whether they're a medical office, a professional office, um, fitness centers, um, all kinds. And a lot of these are franchised. A lot of these are franchised that you know of. Um, so like an AMC, you probably made an AMC somewhere. Yeah, correct, correct. Okay, cool. We've uh, we worked with different uh, Camera 6, uh, Cinelux. Um, we've worked with um, franchised uh, fusion restaurants. Um, one was o- over in Petaluma. We've worked with um, storage centers. Um, those are really large corporations. Um, one's, called, one's a self-storage center. Um, uh, and we have another one that's in Campbell as well. Uh, we work with uh, hotel owners. Um, we have one in Saratoga. Uh, we had one in Mill Valley. Um, uh, one was the Holiday Inn, and the other one is the Hilton Group. Nice. Um, so yeah, different types of investments. So those are about one to two years. A lot like a a large investment group. So those are typically um, like maybe four plus owners um, that have uh, collaborated together to create a corporation to build enough money to buy a large piece of land and when i mean by large i mean something like maybe 10 homes all the way up to 200 to 300 homes um we did one project that was about 10 townhomes and that took about a year and a half Um, our office did another project that was about 200 uh homes and that one took about four years to gain entitlements wow um, I would say to construct that thing would take another uh, three years. So maybe like a total of seven years to do a large scale project. Um, you know, 10 homes will probably take something like four to five years. So around that, frame. you know, you're saying there's all these different homes, but is it the same design for each home? What they always are different, which is like, um, I would say, you know, maybe 20 years ago, it was very easy to grab the same design and put it back down on the land. However, now each area in California, because land has gotten quite pricey and the uh, amount of people that are involved with, you know, the public hearings, the planning departments, um, they don't allow that anymore. Very commonly, a lot of people will, will struggle going through the design part of the project because it cannot be something that's repeated. It's usually something that has some uniqueness to it, something that... Um, respects the existing community so that it doesn't uh, have any uh, issues blending in, but it also has to have something that enhances the local community. 
So finding that blend really does take a lot of uh, skill and effort. Um, and that includes things like the size of the property, how many square feet, the uh, type of characteristics. It could be craftsman. It could be, you know, a hint of Victorian. Um, it could be um, a specific type of railing that they want into this project with a certain type of uh, roof setup, whether it's sloped, hipped, gabled, mansard. There's all very specific uh, ways designed in California, especially for the weather conditions. Um, so yeah, these are the typical things that we go through with each individual owner or corporate, um, group in terms of the approval process. Yeah. I mean, it sounds super complicated. So just to get it clear, imagine I have this giant lot that has 10 homes approved for this lot and I can't just put 10 of the exact same homes. It has to have like the, the layout in each home has to be a little bit different. Correct. Correct. Really? Uh, I would say unanimously across the whole state of California, they will not let you just put 10 homes. Um, that will most likely not fly in any jurisdiction in this state. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Um, it's a thing that most cities are uh, focusing on to make sure they don't have a mundane um, community and that whoever moves in is going to enjoy living there. Interesting. I guess like, yeah, if you move into a house, you don't want your neighbor's house to be exactly the same as yours. Yeah. So you're like, okay. Yeah, I want some variation. And, and also that's good for the economy because not everybody needs a four bedroom house. Maybe they only need three or maybe somebody needs more bedrooms um, depending on you know how big their family is uh, maybe they need a granny unit maybe they need a detached um, granny unit uh, and uh, those are the kind of things that the cities are going to want to see a breakdown of the summary of what kind of units you're providing and how 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 big how small how tall are they um, and doesn't match the area okay got it yeah. and so you were saying that when you work with franchise like big corporations amcs are those all unique or are you just saying, okay, they have one in LA. Can I just use the same designs from them? Or like, you have to say, okay, I'm going to restart right, from scratch. Right. So and- I noticed that with any large franchise, they definitely have their branding. So it could be something like a sign, a marquee, a way their entry is um, set up. Maybe they, they're focusing on recliner seats. Maybe they're focusing on dining in um, or a color scheme. Um, so all various types. Um, if uh, if it's when you're focusing on things like the question about is the building design going to be the same? That's absolutely going to change. Um, each area is going to be different, whether they're built into a mall or the complete standalone, or if they're in the back of the mall versus the front of the mall. They're different ways to accomplish getting the user to the building. So. For example, one of our projects, we have a movie theater and it's towards the back of the plaza and people can't really see it. So our way to uh, create a focal point was we made a really tall marquee. So when they're driving the parking lot, that's the, they can see that from the entry of the plaza. And that really drew a lot of you know, healthy attention and business. And the franchises and all the other businesses around the theater have improved as well because they're going to have more foot traffic more people visiting their ice cream shop, their, their, uh, their restaurants, their outdoor eating area, coffee shops, so forth. So those are usually very good anchors to generate a healthy community. And that's, that's what, that's what you got to study. And I would say real estate really does um, assist in understanding that because I want to make sure that if I place this marquee somewhere, I don't want to put it next to somebody's house. I got to locate in a way that if the marquee is really tall, 
they can't see it from their house, but you can see it from the entrance of the plaza. Mm. So there's all these very fine tuning and um, all these things are done purposefully to make sure that, uh, you know, it really benefits the community. It's not just a one-way street. Oh, this guy has his marquee, but now you got this bright light in somebody's backyard. We cannot do that. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's so interesting because as an investor or as a a random person, I don't even notice these kind of things. Like I see a McDonald's, I assume it's exactly the same as every other McDonald's that I've been to, but it's not. Everyone is unique and different. Correct. Correct. Yeah. 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 And that, that does take a lot of um, skill. Our, uh, at my office, our staff really focuses on on trying to get to know the community. So we'll take a community walk. Um, we'll take uh, flyers, pamphlets. Um, we'll work with the city officials, the planning department to see what kind of feedback. Because honestly, there are a lot of underlying things. Like we'll get information from the police department. We'll get information from the fire department. And maybe a certain area needs more security because um, people are, are speeding on the road and driving past, you know, uh, a crosswalk for a school. Or another area has um, a rental property that got out of control. So we need to focus on that and how to create an environment that, you know, brings it back to the healthy, the healthy um, side of how people want to live. Um, so it, it's a lot of front work. Um, people are always asking, how can it take so long in the beginning? We haven't seen any construction. It's it's those kind of things, the being thoughtful about what we're putting together. If we just start throwing things together and just putting buildings up left and right, um, people who are already living there are going to struggle. And that's what we want to prevent. And uh, uh, that also helps a lot with the um, environment. We don't want to over pollute. We don't want to be wasteful about our materials. So we have to create a lot of material breakdown lists of what we can recycle, um, how we're going to dispose of it, um, how we're going to recycle or reuse it if we can. Um, So you'll hear a lot about um, sustainable design, uh, build a green, lead certification. Um, our staff and uh, office has put a lot of effort into those uh, areas to get all those certifications, make sure we can perform like that. Um, I think one of the things that a lot of, uh, you know, uh, house flippers such as yourself, uh, which I noticed that you were very good at, is uh, common tips about what the latest designs are. And what I'm typically seeing is a lot of you know, 1960s or 70s houses, they have a lot of compartmentalized spaces. So each room was separate. Kitchen, living, dining, family, they're all separate rooms. What I'm noticing today is everybody wants to open up their spaces to have a large great room where the kitchen, family, and dining are all combined into one. Um, Those are very tricky designs because you have a lot of structural upgrades with different beams and parallamps, structural um, shear walls but they definitely can be done when you're working with, uh, you know, licensed professionals and creative uh, young homeowners. Um, I think that is definitely the highest selling point that I'm seeing um, in the Bay area. Um, And it really does create a healthy living style. I mean, what it's so much fun to be able to, uh, you know, host a dinner at the kitchen while somebody's eating at the, at the dining table in the same room. That's really the, the new, the new way to do things. It's a lot, it's a lot more interactive than, you know, having one person in the kitchen and bringing the food in, it just, you don't really get to hang out much, right? That's right. Um, yeah. Um, some things that we're typically doing now is uh, we're adding a lot of, uh, you know, different different ways to spice up the environment with uh, automated homes, um, screens, 
uh, touch sensitive equipment such as refrigerators where you just touch the door and it'll swing open, um, faucet you just touch, they turn on and off, hot, cold. Um, we have uh, microwaves that aren't just swing doors, they're sliding out of drawers. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, the cabinetry is on hydraulics. So when you touch it, it'll swing up instead of pulling or swinging and, and having a door that bangs around. So those are things that people are, are gearing towards now. And they're really, um, people are seeking that and they seem to have a high value. So from an architectural standpoint, you mentioned that people want the open floor plan. So they're busting down walls, adding structural beams. Is there anything else that you've noticed for houses here in Santa Clara that people are doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Another way to open up is by vaulting ceilings, um, adding transom or skylights. Um, LED lights can go into very tight spaces so that increases a lot of usable space by illuminating because the LED strip lights are so thin. Um, and it's not an expensive thing and it does not add that much more energy because LEDs are very you know, energy efficient. Mm -hmm. You can order them on Amazon, get all the uh, aluminum inserts on Amazon as well. And it's, it's just like a Christmas tree light, just running those things in the right area to code. And suddenly the kitchen is just, everything illuminates. The, the, all the spaces can be used. Yeah, makes sense. Cool. So you know how you work with a lot of cities, uh, Santa Clara County. Can you go over like the process with the city? For example, let's say that I want to do a 1,000 square foot addition on a home. Yeah. Can you walk yeah. through process and tell me kind of like a timeline of what am i what am i going to expect to do that yeah so i would say the the cities what what probably the first thing someone needs to know is when you step into that city is which which is really hard to see sometimes is they're actually there to help um sometimes someone will go in there and they think they're actually there to to shut the project down it's it's actually the opposite um, they're there to help um, but there are a lot of different rules and so forth and the way to break that down is there's a planning department which kind of sees what you can do in that general area and a building department that helps to figure out how you can construct your house or your building. Um, I would say the plan department is probably a more challenging thing um, to deal with because there's a lot of rules. And at first someone will read one rule and they'll say, oh, okay, I can do this. But then after reading that one rule, there's 20 others. So it starts usually with the general plan and then the zoning and then you have your uh, your ordinance, your CCNRs, your your heights, your setbacks, a light plane. Um, even there could even be rules like you can't have goats there, or there's an, an endangered species or a type of mosquito that affects that environment. So deciphering all that does take a lot of um, research and understanding. But a lot of times, a plan department can really get you fifty percent of that information just by visiting them and working with the planning part with an open mind saying that they're here to help. Um, I would say the planning part of the project actually takes longer. Um, that's where people might get a little tripped up because they think that the building part takes longer. It's actually the planning part that takes longer because again, that's when you're building something new and you don't want to affect the environment around and you got to get all the research and history that usually often takes about, you know, depending on the project size, one to three months. So if you're doing something like under, that's under a thousand square feet, I'd assume a one month process. Um, if you're doing a brand new home, I would gauge three months and higher and more time. Um, with a set of building uh, documents, I would say for a small project, that's probably one, one to two months worth of time to figure out how to build it. Um, 
and and maybe double that amount of time for larger projects like a single family home. So um, just a ballpark, a small project could be as, as little as three to six months and a large project, I would say six months to a year. So you're doing a full size 3000 square foot home. I, I would definitely to give yourself a, a healthy amount of time because a lot of people try to rush it. When people rush, they realize they make a lot of mistakes. Uh, they stress out their team or themselves financially. Um, honestly, when I look at um, all the different bank um, setups when it comes to getting a construction loan or a mortgage, you usually want to take your time. And um, the people who take their time usually have the better outcome. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let's go. Let's break that down some more. So you're saying there's a planning. takes one to three months. What What is the reason why it takes one to three months? Like what's going on so, during that time? Yeah. So usually what you do is you get a site plan and it gives you your your land survey showing your property lines, if there are any trees, bushes, rocks, whatever it may be, uh, a creek in the back. Um, but they actually have to legally calculate that. So the property line needs to have a certain length for each side and an angle. And uh, whether you get that from you know your county map or a land surveyor is very critical, especially if you're going to add square footage to your house. If you add square footage, you go over your setback line or your property line, that could mean, you know, a lot of trouble in the future. Um, after setting up that map, because this is a legal matter, this is a, a, what they call the entitlements. It's what will um, be recorded into the county and into the, the record, right? So when you sell a house, you get this big title report. This is part of that. Um, and when people submit those to the planning department, it's not like they just get a file and they just type it in. They get this file and they have to send it out to to maybe 10 different uh, government agencies. They got to send it to their county, the state, the different environmental, like the air, water, um, and the Army Corps of Engineers. So there's different agencies. Um, there's, they're also going to check for if you're in a flood zone. So maybe public works, maybe the traffic department. Um, so they have to actually route out your plans. They'll ask you something like, well, we might need... 10 copies of your plans, right? So this is for like a single family home. And that's what they're doing. If it's a minor home addition, maybe 500 square feet, maybe they need three to four sets of plans. Um, and they only need to check with, you know, public works, um, maybe with their, the planning manager, maybe they might, if they have to have a hearing, you know, to check with the general neighborhood. Um, I think you've experienced that. Um, but that's what they're doing. They're really there to help you out. And they're, they, what they do is they check the list of who needs to know what, and they route it out, get the information back. And a lot of times people will get a, oh, you're not approved until you do this. It's because one of the agencies says, oh, you're affecting a creek in the back, and that needs to be reviewed to make sure we don't damage the environment. Um, it's those kind of things. And once you get something like that, it's going to slow you down a little bit. It's going to take maybe an extra two to three weeks to remedy that issue and then send it back to that agency so that they can check it on and say, we've responsibly addressed this issue. We're not going to affect that creek, that kind of thing. Okay. So just to clarify, so first thing you do is you get like a survey map just to say, all right, here are the legal boundaries of what I could do my project on. And then you guys go in and you actually draw up the plans of here's what we propose we're going to do. And then you send that proposal to these different agencies for them to review. And depending on how, the size of the project, that's how many different agencies will actually have to look at these plans. And then they finally say, okay, we're all good. Move along. And that whole process takes one to three months. Yeah. 
yeah, I would say that's pretty, that's, that's pretty much how it's going to go. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And mm -hmm. from the architectural standpoint, uh, what's, what's your guys' process? I remember you guys came in for, for one of our projects and the first thing you did was draw out everything. So you basically had the house as Correct. a layout. Yeah. Yes. And then you want to talk about that? Like, what do you guys do after that? How do you yeah. so configure stuff? Our team will go out to your, to, to your house and we'll measure everything out, recreate the entire plans into our system. The next thing we'll do is have a meeting with the owner um, and figure out what is it that you want to do? Where do you want to expand it? So we'll put an existing plan and next to it, put a proposed plan of what we're going to do to the house so that they can see what's there now to what's going to be there in the future to review it. After that floor plan, you know, looks like this is exactly what I want. We'll create the elevations, cut a cross section. The cross section going through the house will explain how we're going to do insulation, um, do our uh, you know construction details, like our different joints, how our roof is set up. Do you have an attic or not? How your how your uh, crawl space underneath your house is set up? Are you slab on grade or are you a raised floor foundation? Um, We'll also put together your mechanical, electrical, and plumbing drawings with an energy calc. So those are all the, the basic things that are needed to get a building approval, and then you're allowed to construct it. Okay. Uh, where does the structural engineers come to play? So a good time to bring the structural engineer is first you got to solve the floor plan and then get your, your roof plan laid out so that it, it it's, all, it's all meshing together because you don't want to have any... Um, any walls or, or, or any of these spaces moving. It's got to, you literally got to freeze it at that point, right? You got to say, I like this design. I'm not going to change it. Now, if you do change it, it will affect your structural engineer because they're, they got to calculate all the different components to make this structure stand in an earthquake or in a windstorm, right? Anything that adjusts the wall sizes or shape will calc out differently and they will have to review their calc. Mm -hmm. So a good time to do is when your design has stopped moving. Okay. So you're like, all right, here is the plan. We're good. You send it all to the structural engineer. And then they say, based on these plans, yes, it will withstand an earthquake magnitude of blah, blah, blah. And this kind of crazy yeah. windstorm. And they're going to put down all the shear walls, hold down bolts, all the, the Simpson clips that, that are needed to hold this thing together. Right. That's correct. And yes. then they'll put it as part of the plans as well which then it's, finally, after your plans are approved, can you just start building right away? Or you said there's another one to three months where you go to the building department? Uh, yeah, so after you get those plans up, you're going to submit that to the billing department and the billing department needs time to review it because they're going to flip through it and make sure that you do, in fact, have all the different components you need to build this. And it's to code, it's to how the city expects a standard. Otherwise, people will just start building whatever they want and... Uh, it, you know, you got to have a level of standard in each city. Right. It could be unsafe if they just build whatever they want. It could be unsafe. And you'll see a lot when you walk around in a neighborhood, you'll, you'll be able to pick that out. You'll walk around. It's like, Oh, that house looks a little strange. It could be that, that somebody had built without the um, professionals involved and you never know. They were just randomly building. Right. Very common. Gotcha. Okay. And so you're, you have all these plans, structural engineers tell you what to do. Uh, does a typical contractor know how to read those plans? Like how complicated is it to be able to understand what's going on there? Yeah, I would say the typical contractor does. Um, okay. If they have a CSLB license and they have done their experience, uh, I think it's called the workman 
the workmanship hours, it's like usually four years uh, working in a construction company or underneath another licensed contractor. They should be very coherent at reading the plans. If you do meet a contractor um, who ha is having trouble reading those plans, I would question, do they really hold a license? And secondly, are they really a contractor? Um, a lot of times I'll find that um, a, a, a client of ours will um, struggle with the build. And then a lot of times I find out that the person that they hired is not a licensed contractor and they have just, um, they're using someone else's license to kind of hide underneath. So that's something you definitely want to be careful about. Um, CSLB has put a lot of effort into making sure that doesn't happen. So if you are not sure about that, you can definitely contact uh, the, it's called the Contractors State Licensing Board. And you can uh, type in that person's name, see what their history is. Um, if they do have a license, but they're not practicing responsibly, you might find that their license may have some liens or some issues in there. Um, but most of the time when you, when you hire a, a, uh, a well-respected contractor who has a good reputation, they're going to be able to put that together without a problem. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Do you have any stories about anything that you've done? That's like, you think, Oh, this is pretty interesting. Or do you have like a favorite project that you guys done and people can yeah. go drive by and visit and say, Hey, cool. This is Gordon's work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the favorite one I've done is actually over in Asia, over in China, Shanghai, and it's off the uh, the Bund River, next uh, right across from the Pearl Tower. Oh wow! I worked on a lot of the Expo 2010 um, towers. I think I have about six that I participated on uh, with a small firm when I was working in New York. Those were pretty much the uh, prime days of when I was designing really big things. Um, now that I've uh, moved on and I started my own practice. Um, that guy I was working for, he was well into his mid-60s, so he was at the peak of his career. Uh, most architects, they they hit their peak later in life when um, people have a lot of confidence and they've, they've been with a client for a long time. Maybe you and I will be friends 30, 40 years from now. We'll, I'll look at you and say, hey, let's build a tower over in Oakland. You never know. <laughs> right? Um, right now, I would say my larger clients um, are mainly in, in the real estate, mainly brokers. Uh, right now, we've got this giant project in Texas, uh, Texas Street in Fairfield. Um, it's about 60, uh, 60 residential units that we're putting together. It's, a, it's two large buildings. Um, that one's a very modern looking design. So I'm really excited about that one. Um, and we got the whole city involved. Um, I would say that one will probably break ground towards the end of this year. Um, if, if the economy and, and every all the stars align and so forth. Um, in Campbell, I would say we have a good amount of houses here, um, near the Santa Moss park. I can't disclose the addresses, but we have, you know, single family residences. We have a bunch of 3,500 square footers, um, both in Campbell and Saratoga. Um, those houses were a lot of fun, um, commercial projects. My favorite one would be the, the movie theater on Winchester road. Um, it's going to open probably right before the next Infinity Wars movie comes out. Is that the Century so, 20, those domes? Um, that one is the Cinelux okay. in the plaza. Um, they're about they're, they're pretty much done with drywalling, and they're going to put all the finishes in and so forth. But the, the way that project was designed was very unique. We've got a bunch of um, spaces that are sliding underneath the stadium seats, which is unusual to get more space out of the project. Um, excuse me um we have a very interesting lobby layout that has um 
an undulating ceiling. Um, usually you'll see a bunch of coffers. This one has undulations and curves that um, really enhance the space with LED uh, lights. So when that one breaks ground, people walk in the lobby. I think that the the uh, the money shot when you walk in, you'd be like, "Wow, this is a beautiful space." There's food. There's a bar in the back. Um, it's really decked out. This one is really going to hit the mark, I think. Nice. That will be opening probably the end of February. I'll, I'll definitely give you a call and say, "Hey, let's check this out." Maybe yeah. uh, watch the Infinity Wars or something. Yeah. On. How do you even get the eye to say, "All right, this is what's going to look good in this area"? Yeah, that's that's a good question because you know when people draw, they draw and plan. You can't really see it. So uh, these days, there's a lot of different three D softwares that can help do that. So we can sketch it out, kind of lay it out, make sure, okay, does this look good? And then put it in the 3D and we can get perspective views of the exterior or the interior to make sure the proportions are good, um, that when people go in there, it feels inviting. Um, we have healthy spaces so that a person's not too cramped or it's not too open because you have too much space. It's just kind of, it's a waste. It's just a lot of expenses and people don't feel like sticking around. They feel like they got to walk through it like an airport. Now we got little coves and areas where people sit down um, have some down lights and um, some seating, it, it can totally transforms the space. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, working on flip projects, even those are really small scale, when you first walk into a home and it looks like crap, how do you, it's hard to say, oh, I can make this into a beautiful new home for someone else. So yeah. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, that that's something that takes practice. Um, I can see that you're developing pretty quick. Um, but once once you get the hang of, once you've done one, the next one's going to get better. And then after that, it gets better and better and better. And after you've done so many, you just walk in there, you can kind of feel the space, That's you right. know, you no longer take out a tape measure. You'll look at it like, no, nah, this is going to fit. You know, I got to get my stove here, my dishwasher here, sinks. And there's some general rules, rule of thumbs, you know, um, where the fridge goes. Um, yeah, I would say it's, it's an experience thing. And if somebody likes doing this, if they, if they enjoy it, you know, you just got to get start, get your first one going. And after the first one, you're going to be, you're going to be hooked. You're going to be like, oh, I really enjoyed that. Nice. Yeah. So what's next for you? Do you have any uh, big plans coming up in the future besides those yeah, big developments? I would say um, mainly for architects, um, I would say the hard time is actually from what I've experienced is um, end of the year is tough because everyone goes on vacation. They have family to see. The last thing they want to think about is their project um, because, you know, we got, we got other things to do during that time. So December kind of slows down, but what happens is January, February, everything picks up and uh, I'm seeing a lot of new stuff coming in and I'm talking to my staff saying, you know, we got it. We got to set this up so we can handle it. Um, right now we, you know, for this year, I would say our business will probably double. Um, we'll probably have, um, you know, a, a, a huge amount of large scale projects coming up this year, um, a ton of little projects to balance it out. Um, but we got a lot of plans and, uh, um, it's going to be a good year. Once this year ends, we a whole nother rung of new, you know, projects coming forward, which is really exciting. Right. So like I was telling you before, the market kind of slowed down November and December. Correct. Have you, and don't let that scare you. Do not let that scare you. You're just going to hang on. Sure. By February, March, you're going to see it just comes right back up. And that shows in the stock market. It shows in, you know. Um, all the contractors are struggling out there. Um, they're they're going to pick up. They're going to be fine. Um, it's just it's just part of the economy process. Um, I think this year looks pretty strong. Good. So like I was saying, 
just because the market slowdown has happened November, December, but it seemed like that hasn't slowed down the number of requests for big improvements on your end, right? People are still asking for maybe even more, right? There's more people. Yeah, I would would say as February approaches, I'm getting my phones ringing more and more. Like just this last week, um, we got got a a new ice cream shop coming in. Um, We got probably about six uh, house edition remodels, two new houses. Um, There's a lot of work out there. Uh, and it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And I can see why people are, are getting ready to do more, you know? Sure. Do you see any, like, I guess, patterns of what's going on in different cities? Like I know for a while, Cupertino was all about new development, like just raise the entire house and build a brand new one. Uh, do you have any comments on that? Yeah. Yeah. I would say each city has its own thing that is transforming. Um, the East Bay, I'm seeing a lot, a lot of, um, a condo or a, a townhome type projects. Um, like Saratoga, new builds or just like remodeled? A brand new. Okay. Brand new. Yeah. In Saratoga, I'm seeing um, a lot of, um, you know, aged homes being completely redone. So they'll take out the entire house, um, not because they want to, but because the termite damage and water damage. I mean, over time, if, if something wasn't uh, maintained, um, they they definitely need to get all that mold out. So new homes over in the Saratoga, Los Gatos area. Um, a lot of downtown areas, I'm seeing a lot of um, SSA dwelling units for low-income housing. Um, for more, for other cities such as uh, Watsonville, Oakley, and also um, Fairfield, I'm seeing a lot of new uh, new developments, and they are very exciting. They're going to try to get the mixed use going. Um, they want to bring in... Uh, more mom and pop type, you know, coffee shops, a crepe store, um, dessert store, uh, blended into residential is what I'm seeing. Okay. And the residential, um, if they do go a larger scale development, they want courtyards. They want uh, nice amenities such as a gym, a gym or a, a barbecue area, uh, uh, you know, a a uh, gas uh, fire pit area for people to enjoy. They want to enhance the the community as it develops. Very nice. So basically it's mixed use type buildings that you're seeing a lot. Okay, cool. You know, one thing I noticed that for new home development, sometimes they keep some part of the house. Is there a reason why they do that? Like they keep the garage or something? There are some, uh, um, there's definitely some historical significance to it, but also some perks such as, they might uh, reduce the the building permit fee for keeping one wall, for keeping the you know the characteristics of the original house. Um, if that can be done, that's a lot of times very beneficial. Um, people like that, especially the people in the uh, already uh, in the community of that area. Um, it keeps it keeps the characteristics. Okay, cool. So yeah, basically, it. Um... They do it because it makes the process easier, right? They can get through. Sometimes for the ease of it, but also uh, mainly for the bigger reasons to to keep that community the same community it originally was. Uh, I mean, yeah. okay, so like the homeowners do it because the permits office likes it better because it keeps the community better. Correct. Got it. Correct. Got it. It's a double-edged sword or a double-edged support is what you'd call it. Yeah. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, it seems like you have a big reach across all of... Uh, California, right? Do you yes. work mostly in this Bay Area, but anywhere in the Bay Area? Absolutely. I mean, I would say 
maybe more than 60% of my day is not even in my office. I'm on the road, I'm driving, I'm shaking hands with different building officials, clients, and uh, it, it's, it's put a lot of miles on my car, but a lot of great stories. And I get to run in the office, grab none of my staff members, say, hey, let's get ready to go, grab a cup of coffee, we're going to go on an adventure, and it's really fun. Nice. Sounds great. Do you have anything that you'd like to tell to anyone else on the podcast? Oh, I just want to encourage people to, you know, listen to your podcast because you're, you're a person who's really going through it. Um, a lot of people just, you know, they didn't really dive into it. You were fully, fully, you know, jumped into this process. I saw you go through it. Um, I think you did a great job. Um, you're very optimistic. Um, and I can see that you're, you're, you're in the very successful path. Um, I think you've done better than I did when I was in my 20s, you know, when I was in my early 20s. If there are a couple of things I could have done, I, I would have. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think it's an exciting thing that you're doing. Thank you. appreciate it. And how can people get in contact with you? Um, you can go to my website, uh, gkwarchitects with an S.com. Um, we can take, um, you know, uh, inquiries on there. We also have jobs um, if somebody's looking for work in the architectural industry. Um, they can they can apply through there. You can see all of our past projects that are commercial, residential, small to large scale. Their construction photos. Our teams in there. Our consultants are in there. Um, we have a very bright young team and a beautiful office. You've been here a couple times. Oh yeah, it looks great. We did our own office renovation. Uh, we do get involved with construction uh, sometimes, and uh, yeah, our website will show everybody what they what they want to see. You know, all the different images and models of the fun stuff. Perfect. Yeah. All right, Gordon. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I couldn't, I, I'm so excited to have met you, let me tell you. All right, man. All right, man. Thank you so much. I'll thank see you. you soon. Take care. Talk to you soon. Now, wasn't that a pretty interesting episode? I learned so much from talking to Gordon. And here are some of the key takeaways I got. Planning department should be seen as your friend, not an enemy. They're here to make sure that what you're doing is safe and that it conforms to the other houses in your neighborhood. So you don't create this monster-looking property that doesn't fit. They're gonna help you get the best bang for your buck and make sure that you're safe. Another thing is that there are separate departments. You have a planning department and a building department and the scope of work you have determines how long you have to wait. There's also a lot of opportunities still in the Bay Area. So look at the common trends that are going around and work toward them. People love the open floor plans and the high vaulted ceilings. You know, a lot of older homes are very compartmentalized, so you got to find ways to bust down walls to maximize your space and make the whole house look bigger. Architects are there to make sure you have a good plan and something that conforms to the city's desires. Hope you guys learned a lot. I'll see you guys next time. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Tan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second, and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks, and have a great day.